What I'm about to tell you, I have never told any of my players. I have never told them, because when they become more experienced DMs, I want them to eventually figure this secret out for themselves. If they learn this too early, it could shatter their very perception of role-playing games as a concept forever. This secret has been shouted from the mountaintops, yet the knowledge it can bring remains hidden from all but those who choose to seek a deeper understanding of the world of dice and paper that we've chosen to entrench ourselves in. The secret is, I haven't used any pre-written reference materials for my games in years. Hello, this is the Black Magic DM. I provide advice for players, dungeon masters, and everyone in between. And today, I will be covering encounter building. Now when I say pre-written materials, I'm referring to things like monster manuals, DM's guides, and pre-written adventures, and here's the reason why. A long time ago, I discovered that you don't actually need any pre-written materials when preparing for your table session. I came into the hobby without books or source materials in the first place, so I came to this conclusion early on in my DMing career. But I feel it's important to address this important step of growth in these current times where there are so many different resources and source materials that a new or established GM can rely on. All you need is to think about whether or not your encounter is balanced for your intent, has interesting components, and ensuring there is a clear purpose for the encounter. And as always, when we say encounter, we're talking about combat, social, and exploration encounters. Life's full of challenges and you can't punch all of them in the face. First we'll tackle what many GMs believe they have a problem with. Balance. And when thinking about encounter balance, we only really need to consider what our intent is for the encounter. Figure out what it is you're trying to do with your encounter. Are you trying to make it difficult to show players that the adversaries or obstacles in their way are a valid threat and will require more of them? In that case, we'll take whatever metric your system of choice uses to denote difficulty, whether that be difficulty class, attack modifiers, armor class, or number of successes, and make that number slightly harder for players to achieve while still keeping it within the realm of possibility. If a d20 roll, we usually see them succeeding 70% of the time. Knock that number down to 60 or even lower. Make the math cater to you and suit what your needs are, not the other way around. And if arithmetic isn't your strong suit, we'll get into some dice math later. Don't worry, it sounds scarier than it actually is. If instead our goal is to only show the presence of an obstacle, so the players are used to it for later encounters, then the encounter can be used as a form of microdosing. Keep the encounter simple and short, so the elements you want to showcase are put front and center for your players and aren't lost among other things that could happen during a complex and drawn out encounter. If the enemy is using vials of oil as a dangerous makeshift Molotov, then that should be the first and last thing they do to hammer home that point. If the dungeon you're featuring has a lot of traps, showcase it with a quick saving throw followed by the traps effect. Short and sweet is the key. The third and my personal favorite intent to balance around is resource drain. When we want players to burn through their resources, it's important to make sure we know what resource we want to affect, and will most likely directly affect it. If we want to make them use mana or spell slots, then we provide more opportunities that will be necessary. Provide your players with difficult enemies that will put them in the dirt if they don't do it to them first with some powerful spells and abilities. Look at your player's spells. Is there a utility spell, potion, or scroll they don't normally get to use because it's situational? They'll use it in a heartbeat. If you give them a situation to use that spell they took because it sounded cool or fit their character theme. If you're looking to take material possessions and money from your players, then Gary Gygax has provided DMs with fixer monsters over the course of the years. 
Things like gelatinous cubes, trolls, goths, and zorns are all creatures that damage, steal, or even flat out eat and destroy items. Also, never underestimate the power of a shrewd shopkeeper or tavern owner. Repeat after me. I don't care how many monsters you've slain. My wares aren't free, and I have a family to feed. You'll just have to pay like everyone else. The second major point to think about when encounter building is providing interesting content. And this is the most intensive because it requires a little planning and being able to read your table. When planning for an encounter, we want to think about how we can change things via difference in scope and difference in kind. Difference in scope simply means making an encounter harder or easier, which can be done mechanically by messing with the numbers or thematically by raising or lowering the stakes. It's easy enough to pull off, and you see it done with astronomical regularity in every media. The heroes are in a situation they're winning, but then a new, much more formidable enemy shows itself, where the bad guys get reinforcements and the heroes are now outmanned and outgunned. How will they escape now? Difference in kind, however, doesn't typically scale up and down in difficulty, but instead shifts side to side. It's still just as difficult, but in a different way now. This is all about changing the circumstances and objectives in the encounter to force the players to approach it from a different angle. Maybe the dragon is now flying high in the sky, out of reach, and forcing players to stay in cover, otherwise they'll take a torrent of flame to the face. Now the players need to figure out a way to force the dragon to land without becoming barbecue. The important NPC the party is negotiating with happens to be good friends with the town justice who's dropping by to pay him a visit. Members of the party are still wanted criminals and the whole party is guilty by association. If they run out of the house now, the justice will be more than a little suspicious, and getting another audience with that NPC again will be near impossible. How they finish off negotiations without revealing their true identities. Difference in kind is one of my favorite tools to spice up encounters because it keeps the players on their toes and forces them to start thinking again if they've gotten too comfortable and confident in their chances of success. This is where knowing how to read your table becomes an invaluable skill for you as a DM and in life. Every couple of minutes, look around at your players and ask yourself some questions. Has the encounter been static and samey for too long? Are some players unengaged and being passive until the encounter resolves itself? Does everyone have something they can potentially be doing? Have you communicated that there's something a player can be doing to engage? The last one is a trick question. Whether or not you have communicated, do it again. Players typically need a couple of reminders for things to sink in. Remember, encounters are meant to be fun and exciting for everyone, not a slog to get through so you can do the next thing. If things look like they're getting stale, then switch it up with your tools of difference in scope and kind. Never dwell on one state for your encounter for too long. If that doesn't work, then sometimes we just need to accept that the encounter isn't working and find a way to wrap it up as quickly as possible. Not every plan we make is going to be a home run. Not even if we had all the time in the world to prepare. On to our final and most important topic, purpose. It's pretty simple and self-explanatory, really. Make sure your players have a reason to be engaging in the encounter. If you can ask yourself, what would change if the players lost this encounter or didn't have it at all? And the answer is, nothing, then chances are the encounter doesn't serve a purpose, and you might want to reconsider having it. 
consider breezing by it or just not having it all together. This goes for the elements inside the encounter as well. Remember the theme and intent of your encounter. Everything in it should be supporting those two things. Now, talking theory and philosophy is all well and good, but putting it into practice is really where all this knowledge will help you. So let's go ahead and start running the session. The players are from a town that's been having trouble with small bandit raids, and they need to go out and deal with them so everyone can return to their peaceful lives. They don't know where the bandit hideout is, so they need to go exploring to find it. And depending on how organized and crafted these guys are, we shift the target numbers for tracking up and down. Let's say they don't find the hideout, but they do find a couple of bandits scouting the area for interlopers such as the heroes. This is a technique known as failing forward. The players tried something and failed, but they still make progress with the downside. Maybe the player leading the search enters a bear cave thinking it's the hideout and takes some damage while trying to get away from the mother bear. Don't argue with the player about the damage. If they want to stay at full health, they should have rolled better. Moving on, the players engage the bandits. In this case, the purpose is not to kill them, but to capture them and pump them for information on the location of the hideout before they can escape and raise the alarm. The chase is going on a bit long, but everyone seems to be enjoying it. But the wizard isn't really engaged. They're an academic, not an athlete or a forester. Easy fix. The bandits chuck a smoke bomb behind them, obscuring the party's vision of them. They'll have to guess which way they ran. If they're wrong, then they'll lose valuable time and distance. Would have been an easier decision if you guys could see through the smoke, you say. The wizard player's eyes light up. It's their time to shine. He casts a detection spell that allows him to see which way the bandits ran. They're back in the game, and as an added bonus, you got the wizard to burn some of those sweet spell slots and mana. That's one less fireball you have to account for. Good job. They eventually catch the bandits and get the information from them. You want that to be pretty straightforward and easy, so you can speed past that with a low target number if someone wants to roll. We're finally at the bandit hideout. Little do the players know, there are way more bandits than they are expecting, and they're planning on sacking the town. We want this combat to be nearly impossible to win to showcase how outmanned they are. We can keep the target numbers and damage high. If the players run, which they probably should, we can get to have another chase, but in reverse. If they don't run and someone dies, play it straight. And let's see, as for the chase scene, we already did one, so we'll keep it short. Low target numbers again, but with penalties for failing them. They'll all likely survive and get away if they roll poorly, but at a cost. Remember, fail forward to keep the session's momentum going. Now, your party has finally reached town, but there's a horde behind them. Moving large numbers in a siege engine slowed down the bandits and gave the players a decent head start, but now they need to decide. Try to prepare a town of farmers and bakers to defend their home against armed murderers? Or take what little you have and evacuate the town. A tough decision that the players will most likely sweat and debate over. Feel free to dramatically sip your drink while they do that, but remind them, the longer they take to make a decision, the less time they have to prepare or evacuate, whichever they choose. Let's say the decision is to evacuate. The cleric argues that if too many people are killed, the town will be littered with orphans and that would weigh heavy on his soul. Now comes the hard part. Convincing a town to pack up their lives and leave. Depending on how difficult we want it to be, we can change who's present. Is it easy? 
and there will be mostly just peasants who are scared easily and will pack up shop in a heartbeat. Is it difficult? Maybe a judiciary or a constable is there who won't see the town he's lorded over for so long be uprooted over the rumors a group of drifters started that there's a bandit incursion on the way. That's just ridiculous. There's a heated debate, everyone's getting in the character role-playing and really throwing themselves into it, but the fighter player is starting to yawn. She's a grizzled warrior, not a politician. This isn't for her. What's this? The fighter's rival is here, calling her a coward from running away from a few measly brigands. Your fighter player sits up again. No one questions the courage and valor of Sigdi the Slayer. She then retorts by recounting the horror of facing down a den full of murderers and cutthroats that match the town in number down to every man, woman, and child. How the rest of the session plays out is up to you, but you can see how we can use the tools we learned today to influence an exploration encounter, a combat encounter, another exploration, a social encounter, another combat, a final exploration, and lastly, a heated social encounter. As always, you are more than welcome to steal or take inspiration from anything we discussed here on this channel. I ran something similar for my table, and I gotta say, it went over pretty well. 